Hi there, and welcome to the fourth episode of the T21 Mom Podcast. My name is Mary, and I will be your host. Each episode, we will talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's six years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I am living life my way. Today, my friend Ron joins me. And he's the one who actually suggested that I start a podcast. He said he's learned so much from Down syndrome just from our informal coffee chats and my Facebook posts. Welcome, Ron. Hey, Mary, how are you doing? I'm doing not too bad. A little bit under the weather with the allergies out there, but... Just because it's May. Yes. (laughs) Well, we're recording this in May. Well, we'll just uh, push through. Right. Do you think your, your time at the Ambleside Farmer's Market yesterday was partially to blame for this? Probably, but it was nice being by the ocean and the beach, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and lots of people came out to get some Miss A cookies, (laughs) all in support of the run-up for Down syndrome, which is happening next week. So what are we going to be talking about today? You know, I thought we would talk about mom life and special needs, because it's a little bit different when you have a child with special needs as opposed to just having a typical child. And what kinds of differences do you find? You know, when you're thrown into the life of special needs, you suddenly become all these other people. You're becoming the doctor, the therapist, the speech therapist, the OT. You're becoming the teacher. All these different roles, you are now that person because you know your child best. And I've often heard of people you know, going to their doctor actually with concerns about their child and they're just sort of dismissed as, oh, it's just a Down syndrome thing. Is there such a thing as a Down syndrome thing or? Not, you know, I don't think specifically, but there's going to be some characteristics that are similar from one child to the next. Like for example, low tone. All, pretty much everyone who has Down syndrome is going to have some form of hypotonia, which is what it's called. Ainsley, on one hand, is very low tone, but there's going to be other kids who aren't as low as her. So they probably walked earlier. They're jumping, running, all those things. Whereas for Ainsley, that's taking a little bit longer because of her tone. So all of the developmental markers are shifted. And the doctor doesn't really, maybe isn't as informed as maybe he could be on the Down syndrome side of it? I think so. And sometimes I think it's really important to like as the parent that you also have to educate the doctor. You know, I think we have a really great pediatrician as she did tell me that there's quite a few uh, children with Down syndrome in their clinic. But I've been trying to get, for example, a sleep study because it's been recommended that all kids under the age of five and Ainsley is now six should have a sleep study for sleep apnea. And she didn't think it was in the, she said it's not in the guidelines, but apparently it is. So Next time we go, I, I want to bring it up again. And our ENT, which is the ears, nose, and throat specialist, he just always asked me, does she snore? Well, just because she doesn't snore doesn't mean she doesn't have sleep apnea. And I've, I've read that many times that lots of people have discovered that their child actually had pretty severe sleep apnea and didn't have any obvious signs. And again, it's because you know your child best and you need, and you have to advocate. You have to push for these things. So if you don't, no one else is going to do it for you. Well, I guess sleep apnea wouldn't show up in its normal form, maybe because of the, the lower muscle tone. So you know, the throat may collapse. 
Yeah, well, and that's exactly it, right? Is that um, often the kids with or people with Down syndrome have sleep apnea due to that, the low muscle tone. I mean, there's other signs too, like moving a lot and and things like that. And Ainsley does that a little bit. But I just think it's still important because lack of sleep, as we all know, greatly impacts your quality of life. So let's break down the roles a little more. The the, the doctor, uh, sorry, the when you have to be the doctor at home. Mm-hmm. What sort of, what does that involve for you? Well, I just find you just kind of have to really be on top of things. Like often, like our kiddos tend to be a little bit more susceptible to illness. They they tend to have like just a lower immunity kind of across the board. Like for example, our doctor was a little bit concerned initially because Ainsley's um, neutrophils were always kind of below average, but she's realized that's just how she tests and she she's actually fine but that's just how she appears but you know they're going to be a little bit more susceptible to catching various illnesses and sometimes kids with down syndrome because they're they're heart babies again their immunity is going to be a little bit lower because of that and and that's something i as far as i know kind of will go through life. Ainsley, for the most part, is pretty healthy. You know, we haven't had a lot of really any major health issues. So I've been quite lucky that way. I mean, she does tend to pick up a lot of stomach bugs. But other than that, I think we're and colds, but that's pretty typical. I think, you know, we're doing okay. Every kid picks up everything. Yeah, from all the other kids. Right. And what about the teacher role? (laughs) Well, you know, it's just a constant, you know, I feel like every day we got to be doing something like and you feel so I guess pressured to feel like you know there's not enough play time because you have to do all these different therapies and I always and I feel bad about that I was like oh you know we need to be playing more but trying to make play part of the therapy and I know when she goes to speech and she goes to OT and even physio to some degree that it, it they do incorporate it as kind of like play it's kind of fun and she really enjoys it but for me as a parent I always feel okay we we need to do this this and this we need to work on this we need okay like after dinner we work on flashcards you know and I and she really enjoys it so it's not so much that it's work but I'm thinking okay she's in grade one like we should be doing like more of this like she should be writing better she should be using pencils and crayons better and I just always feel like that mama guilt that I'm never doing enough because there's just never enough hours in the day. Is there a teacher component to educating people about Down syndrome, like people outside of your uh, family, outside of your, you know, your friends? Uh, is there like people who will come up to Ainsley and say hello? Is that, Do you feel an, maybe an obligation to explain to them or if they ask, you're more than willing to talk to them? Oh, I would always talk to people if they've asked. I think it's fairly obvious that she has Down syndrome. But, you know, sometimes I see kids with Down syndrome and I go, do they have Down syndrome? It's like I've become blind to it. It's kind of interesting, I guess. It's become normal. It's become normal. It's Yeah, exactly. And um, I don't really see them really as different. I mean, I get excited when I see other people with Down syndrome out in the community and I'm always looking for their parents so I can say hi you know and I think most people in our community are pretty open to people coming up and and asking I mean I've never really had too much ignorance or people making rude comments but I know other people have 
And so that can be challenging is like knowing what to say in what circumstance. But, you know, for the most part, it's been it's been pretty good. And what are some of the other roles? Like there's, you know, we talked about teacher. We talked about doctor. What are the what are maybe another couple other roles that you have to fulfill? Well, you know, for me, one of the big things was physio. Because Ainsley was a really late walker. She didn't walk independently on her own until just after her fourth birthday. And for an entire year prior to that, she would walk, but holding my hand. She wouldn't do it on her own. And so our physio at the time, like she gave us different exercises to do, like, you know, pushing a chair down the hall. And then every night for an entire year, we walked up and down my hallway of my building, up and down the stairs, but she just wouldn't do it on her own. And then I was in panic mode because, you know, she had turned four and actually at her fourth birthday, she started walking in between the tables and everyone was cheering and I'm going, hallelujah, we've got this, (laughs) you know, and her birthday's in November. I'm thinking, oh, Christmas, she's going to be walking all over the place. Yeah, she never did it again. So I'm going like, what do I need to do here? You know, because literally we would spend like probably at least half an hour every day after dinner working on walking. And then Jen, our awesome support worker, got us in to see a new physio, uh, Brenda, who we can have on the program at a later date, who within two sessions, I could see a difference. And within three weeks, she got Ainsley walking on her own. And thank God, because I was so worried when we go into kindergarten, like, what if she's not walking on her own? Is she going to be in a wheelchair? Are they going to insist that she be in a wheelchair? Because that was my worry. Because if you go into school in a wheelchair, you're not coming out of that. But, you know, and I had a lot of pushback from the school initially, but we can talk about that at a on a later episode. But well, uh, just, just a sec, because like you, you say there was a lot of pushback from the school. Like mm-hmm. which role did you then jump into to have to deal with that? Well, Mama Bear being one <laughs> of them. But also that's where you really have to advocate. Right. You know, I had to phone the school board and explain to them what was going on. I don't think the principal was that happy about it because obviously the school board then has to call and find out, you know, they've got to get both sides of the story and find out what's going on. And so we did have a special emergency meeting, you know, and the school board attended. And, you know, I had to concede to a walker at that time. But then when they brought out the walker for Ainsley to use and Jen, our support worker, had come to me, had come with me to this meeting, Ainsley... They put her in the walker and then she just promptly walked out of it. It was priceless. I go, yes, you show them Ainsley. And, you know, eventually she didn't really need the walker, but I was really concerned about her using the walker and regressing. We had spent so much time going to physio twice a week and I'd spent a lot of money to get her walking independently. You know, she kind of walked like she was drunk, but that's just how a lot of kids when they first start walking, how they walk. And the school was worried about her safety and you know her flopping on the ground a lot and I was just so worried that she would become reliant on the walker because most people are always going to choose the easier way but thankfully uh her aide you know who is really kind of bound by what the school physio was telling her I just kind of said just try not to use the walker too much and I think they were just using it when they were having to go out into the halls Uh, so, you know, 
And Ainsley, you know, she's almost running now. Like she's a pretty fast walker and she has escaped me on a few occasions. But that's when you have to be your advocate. You know, I had to speak up. I had to let them know that I wasn't happy about this. You know, and I'm not afraid to call the school board and I'll never be afraid to call the school board. And I think the school learned, because I did join the pack later that year, that, you know, I'm not there to be a problem parent, but I'm there to advocate for my child. Because if you don't, then the school thinks everything's okay. And they're not going to go the extra mile for you. But I also think they learned after the first year of kindergarten, because it was pretty rocky for various reasons, that, um, you know, not to, to mess with the mama bear. Because grade one, you know, it's gone really well. And, you know, she loves it. So I've been quite pleased with how this year has gone. And what other roles? You know, we've gone through mama bear, doctor, teacher. <laughs> uh, what other roles? I mean, you have to be cook, baker, um, you know. <laughs> Uh, chauffeur you have to be you know you have to become knowledgeable in like part of this is also being a student right yes yeah yes like and, and just even just a teacher like not just a teacher to Ainsley but also to everyone who's in her life just to you know to teach them about Down syndrome what it is like what Ainsley's like because so so you have been both teacher and student because before you can teach you had to learn <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Because like when I found out that Ainsley had Down syndrome, I thought I know nothing about Down syndrome. And I know we talked about this in an earlier episode and it's, it's a huge learning curve and, you know, but it's been great. Like, and most people are really, um, what's the right word? They want to know more and they're keen on learning more and especially like the kids at school too. Like, I don't think they totally understand what Down syndrome is, but they know that Ainsley's a little bit different. But, you know, they, they're they great with Ainsley. They they want to be your friend. You know, they come up to, you know, talk to her, give her high fives, things like that. And, and I think all of that is to teach kids and adults, like, tolerance and acceptance. And that's part of my role, is, too, is to teach that, you know, Ainsley can be included and she can be accepted. So there's so many roles like, yeah, chauffeur, I'm running everywhere to all our different appointments, you know, so, but that's just also part of being a parent. Right, right. (laughs) How is it, you know, you and I both know a lot of single parents. Mm -hmm. How is your role as a single parent so much different from, you know, a a regular, normal, Typical typical parent, typical single parent? Gosh, you know. Other than being like chauffeur, you know. (laughs) Well, when you're the single parent and single by choice, so there isn't anyone else, you know, you are it. And I've learned you have to be very, very organized. You know, I tend to plan out everything like our meals in advance, you know, plan out our lunches you know, also just, okay, I have to get in for an oil change. I got to do that in between like working, Ainsley's appointments, all those things. So you have to be very organized as being the single parent. And also no, there's not a lot of free time for you. And I know that a lot of single parents with special needs and without, that's something that we really struggle with. Because if you don't take care of you, 
how are you going to be the best mom and the best parent to your child? And there's just some days it's just, it's so exhausting, like so soul tired, like, oh, I have to, you know, I know I really should be doing this, you know, working on these flashcards or working on these fine motor skills. But some days you're just like, I'm just too tired. Some days you just want to fall asleep in your porridge. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, probably my wine, but because <laughs> wine, wine's a good thing. It's an right. important thing. Right. It's a therapy in itself. Exactly. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, like I think until you become a single parent for whatever reason, I don't think you ever really realize like how hard it is because if you do have a partner, they can spell you off or, and I don't have like, grandparents like Ainsley doesn't have any grandparents so it's not like I can just drop her off you know somewhere I mean Dennis is really good and he sometimes will watch her but you know ultimately Ainsley's my responsibility and I don't even though he gladly does it I also don't want him to feel that he has to do it because Ainsley is ultimately my responsibility and but you know he's been very good with her so I can't complain in that regard what about when you're, you know, when, when Ainsley was a baby, you would go to these various group sessions. You would go to, you know, mommy groups. You would go to, you know, kid groups, play mm-hmm. dates. What was kind of the reaction from people with you being a single mother and having to deal uh, and having to accept and deal with the, the world of Ainsley? Well, I don't think a lot of them at the mama groups necessarily knew I was a single mom, but single needs parenting can be very isolating. Even now I do find it. But when Ainsley was a baby, I remember like she really has always loved music right from the get go. And it took us a few months to get into the mother goose uh, play group or whatever you want to call it. And so we were late to our first group. And so when we first came in, I guess Ainsley was maybe six or maybe eight months, six or eight months old. And we go in and it had already started. So I I sat down in the chair that was literally right next to the door. And then a minute or two later, no, no lie. The woman next to me got up and moved to another chair. And nobody talked to me at that group. And I wanted to stop going because it just, I didn't feel welcomed. I didn't feel invited. You know, these are other moms with kids around the same age, but Ainsley was the only one who had special needs. And it just felt so isolating. And it made me very sad because Ainsley really loved all the music. And then I can't remember what session it was, maybe the third or fourth time we went and I kept thinking I I need to keep going because she really loves it and there was this one song where at the end you like tickle your child in the song and Ainsley was the only child that laughed and I kid you not but there was like this audible gasp from the other mamas there that they suddenly realized because none of their kids laughed when they tickled them that Ainsley it's a bit odd yes But they realized that, oh, she's just like all the other kids. And then they kind of warmed up to me a little bit more. And, you know, one or two of them actually talked to me. 
Because that's the thing is nobody wanted to talk to me. And I remember being at one of the sessions and I felt like telling them it's not contagious. <laughs> you know, when the lady actually got up and moved, like I just, it was like my heart just fell through the floor. It was terrible. But, you know, and there, I just didn't even go to some of the, you know, strong starts or the early mama groups because nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody wanted to engage with my child or to even just ask me other typical mama questions when you have a new baby. And I remember I went to a weekly Zumba class at the mall for moms and nobody would talk to me. I would see the other moms planning to go for coffee, but no one would ever talk to me except this one woman. And we actually became quite good friends. But it just really, you know, it it became very obvious to me that I was outside of the mama club, you know, that we weren't being included, that Ainsley wasn't being included. And, you know, those things are hard, you know, especially as a new mom that, you know, nobody really feels you're of value and it was hard and even now there's a lot of isolation and I hear that from other parents too that it's because you get so wrapped up in all the different therapies and other things that your child needs to do and to go to that there isn't a lot of extra time for you know the typical kid stuff well that's partially why you're doing this podcast is to reach out and say you're not the only one that's going through this. You're actually part of like, you're part of a group of people that is going through this. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, and it can be, it can be pretty lonely at times. And I know this is a little bit off topic, but it, it's a, it makes me so happy because this past weekend Ainsley was invited to a classmates swim party and Ainsley loves swimming. And I'd asked her aide, I go, like, was the whole class invited? She goes, I don't know. They kind of just sort of hand out it kind of discreetly. And because it was a swim party, I kind of assumed, like, the whole class had been invited. So we go, and there was only three other kids from her class and a few other outside friends that I didn't know. And I tell you, my heart was just bursting. I was so happy that Ainsley was one of those chosen friends to come to this other classmates birthday party and at the end of the party I went and thanked her mom for invited for inviting us and she said Ainsley was at the top of the invite list and I said you're gonna make me cry you know I had (laughs) tears in my eyes and I thought I need to leave before I become this big blubbery mess but you know I it just I felt really included and it, it felt awesome you know because I do see that we're not invited to a lot of things and for various reasons I don't know if it's because people think maybe Ainsley wouldn't have a good time or you know I don't special wanna... needs need special requirements which I don't want to deal with and that could be it like maybe they think it's too hard to have her there I'm not sure and, and you know and I see it I see it on Facebook I, you know, and I see it out there and it's hard, you know, of course we go to all our other, um, from our play group, we've met lots of great other families and we all invite each other to our birthday parties. And so I know there'll always be those birthday parties, but it was extra special about being invited to this specific classmates birthday. I just, I, you know, it's our only birthday that we've been invited to all year from her class. Well, she's not, she's not high maintenance. No, she's not. And, you know, she she's a pretty chill little girl and she transitions really easily. 
And, you know, and she can swim and she loved the waves at the wave pool. It was, you know, and the kids loved having her there. They were really excited to see her there. So, you know, and I think that's all about teaching, you know, inclusive, inclusiveness. Or normalizing it. Yeah. And just like, she's just like all the other kids, you know, she's rocking an extra chromosome, but she is just like all the other kids. Well, she has all the wants, needs, and, you know, wants all the experiences of being a kid because she's a kid. Exactly. And, and I think sometimes for people who don't have a child with special needs, they have a really hard time seeing that. And I think then that's part of like why you, you want your kids to be included in not just the classroom, but in other things too, like sports, birthday parties, girl guides, scouts, whatever it is, swimming, you know, that other kids can see, yeah, she, she can do the same things I can do. And let's have fun. You and I were talking earlier and you were saying that sometimes you just feel invisible. Can you kind of expand on that? Yeah, because like I was talking about the other mummy groups and things is, you know, even sometimes at school, I hate to say it, like a lot of the parents say, don't say hello or, you know, there are some that do, but it's sometimes when we go places or different events, it's like people just want to pretend that you're not there. And that your child is not there. And it's not like she's acting out or anything. And, you know, that's hard. It's hard on this mama's heart. And I'm sure it's hard on any mama's heart when they when they see that, you know. And, you know, at the playground, kids, they do try to engage with Ainsley. And, you know, sometimes they're not sure. But it's it's hard. And, you know, and I think that's part of the isolation that's really easy to feel. And... People with typical kids, they have no idea what we go through on a on. But you must feel tremendously day. discouraged. Well, sometimes, you know, like there are days where I'm going, you know, this could be so much easier if Ainsley was typical. You know, like getting dressed in the morning, eating, whatever it is. I go, because, you know, sometimes special needs is hard but you find a way to roll with it and to make it work. But it's sometimes it would just be nice if other parents just took the time even just to say hi, because that can go a long way. Just the acknowledgement and, you know, how are things going or how are you doing today? How's Ainsley? How was your weekend? Just typical chit chat that you would have with any other parent because I'm no different. We still go to the park, we go swimming, we do all those things, but we just also do a lot of other things that people with typical kids don't do. And, you know, I don't expect parents to really understand, but maybe just have a little empathy that, you know, sometimes things are a little bit harder. And let's do a bit of a shout out here because we'd like to hear other people's stories on this. And you can get a hold of us at info at t21mom.com. That's info at t21mom.com. We'd love to hear uh, your experiences with these kind of topics because, you know, Mary goes through what she goes through and you're going through what you're going through and we would love to hear from you about what you're going through. Yes, I would love to hear other people's stories and and maybe how they've tackled some of those issues because I know we all talk about like self-care because it's very trendy right now, how important it is. And I do struggle with it. But it is, I've learned, something that 
is really important that we do need to try to also take care of ourselves, not just our kiddos, but we also need to take care of ourselves because sometimes it's hard to carve out a few minutes in the day, you know, like, and, and you know, too many glasses of wine is not looking after yourself. No, one glass is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, I find like, it's a challenge to try to find a little bit of me time you know, I, I do try to journal a little bit, just five lines a day. And it's usually just about what, about Ainsley, really. But I like to go back and look to say, oh, yeah, like two years ago, we were doing this or she did this. And it's, it's you know, it feels good to go back and look to see, you know, how far we've come. And, you know, just so I can be the best mom to Ainsley, because there's so much stress. There could be a lot of anxiety, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I picking the right therapy or even the right therapist? Is it is it best for her to even be in an all-inclusive classroom? You know, all these things that go through your mind. Like when I had to concede to the walker for her to be in school full-time. You know, no, I didn't want to concede to the walker because I felt like it was going backwards. But I thought for the best interests of Ainsley to be included in school Let's just deal with this right now. Eventually, we won't use the walker and let's get on with things. And that's essentially what happened is that the walker was just parked at the back of a closet I saw. So I knew they were hardly using it. You know, it's tough. You know, special needs can be hard. It's challenging, you know, especially if you have other children that aren't special needs. I mean, I just have the one. So my focus is just on Ainsley. But when you have other children, and I hear this, is you as the parent often feel like you're neglecting your other children and they can sometimes feel like they're being neglected, that all your attention is going on your child that has these extra needs, you know, it's to help them and to help them achieve. And when kids are young, it's hard for them to understand that because they just want to spend some time with their parents or with their siblings or whatever it may be. But then they have these additional things that they need to do. And, you know, and sometimes there can be some resentment. So would you use the word overwhelmed or is there another word that you would use when you get into this multi-phase so many different roles that you have to fulfill all at once so is overwhelmed a, a, a suitable word or is it really not up to the task of what the reality is <laughs> no i would say overwhelmed is is spot on because i would say a lot of days i feel overwhelmed but it's also, you know, and, I, and I'm still learning how to manage that. And, you know, sometimes things have to slide. Like my house always looks like a tornado's gone through it, you know. And let's be fair. A lot of people, like a lot of typical families, their houses look like <laughs> tornadoes have run through it. I used, I used to go to a friend's house when their kids were small and they'd say, well, you'll have to excuse it because the kids are. And the thing that would come out of my mouth is, this is a house where people live. Yes, so that's true. Don't don't apologize for it not being architectural digest. This is <laughs> this is actually a place where people live and play. That's true, and I know sometimes that's that's hard, and just also like you know trying to get to all our various appointments. You know, it's it's stressful, and you know I feel like when we go to swimming on Tuesdays, it's, it's like okay, we, we're late, we got to get going. You know, we've got exactly 10 minutes before we need to get in the pool and you know, you're not even changed yet. And it, it's, it's hard because you just feel like you're constantly on the go, you know, and I just, 
I feel like I'm tired all the time, which I'm sure most parents feel, and that there's never enough hours in the day. And like today, I was just reading on about one of the apps that I have on her iPad that's really helped her with like reading, which has been amazing. And I thought, okay, I've had this um, instruction booklet for a couple of weeks now. I should probably crack it open because we've had the app for several months, but just trying to sit down and find the time to learn about it. Because that's the other thing is like, I got to also educate myself on all this other stuff, you know, and going back to being a student as well as a teacher. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I know a lot of other parents, they feel the same way. And, you know, and that's why I think it's important that you build your community, you build your tribe, because we all get it. We all know what each other's lives to some degree is like. And, you know, I don't want to say misery loves company because that's not what I'm getting at. But we can empathize with with each other that, you know, like the struggle's real and it can be really challenging some days just to feel like I'm being even just trying to be the best mom that I can be because we're all going to have off days for sure. But you you hope that's not very often because, again, it's always that mama guilt, like I'm never doing enough and like I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I should have enrolled Ainsley into the reading program earlier. But you know what? We're going to do it over the summer. And let's just go with it. So, yeah. And how have you found it? Like you like being able to put together a group of people to support you. How how has that been difficult? Have your old friends sort of piled on and and contributed? Have they? Have, like your family is obviously very supportive of mm-hmm. you, but your like your your friends or your new friends. Um, do you find it easy to make new friends? I mean, there's a whole lot of questions in there, so I'll just let you go <laughs> with that. Well, I've made lots of new friends, like just like initially from our play group. But, you know, you also have to remember, we all have one thing in common. We all have a child with Down syndrome. But it doesn't mean that we're all going to be best buds. And my close friends like Jill and Marcy, like, you know, I think they've done really well to understand like what my life is. I mean, Jill's kids are older, so we're not even in that same kind of kids age group where we would be doing similar things but like she came down to the farmer's market both her and Marcy came down to the farmer's market yesterday and and they supported me in that way and just you know it's nice to find some other moms that you can also just chill with from the play group yeah we have this same thing in common but you also find out there's other things that you have in common on a slightly different tangent like because the retreat which we will talk about in a later episode I ended up fundraising with another mom in in Canada. And I don't think we would have ever really hooked up at the retreat. But it turns out we both have a love of baking. And that's how we fundraised is we both baked our way to the retreat, you know, and just like things like that, you know, and another friend like we both really enjoy um, crafts and knitting and stuff like that. So it's just it's just nice to also find some other things in common, not just your rock and kiddo. And so what about your tribe? Like, I mean, you have your family, you have your support, uh, you have your friends. Do you have something you would describe as a tribe? I mean, definitely there's the online tribe because there's somebody's always there. But, you know, just locally, like I've made some really nice friends through our playgroup, which is awesome. And like, for example, I always have a little barbecue in the summer where I invite our other friends 
friends from our play group and a couple other uh, moms that I know whose whose kids have other diagnoses because it's nice for us all to come together and we just play out on the grass and we barbecue and you know you can sit back and just have a nice glass of wine with each other or a beer if that's your thing you know or sometimes we just go out for dinner and it it's just nice to just come together in a in a different way and and I you know, I love my tribe because I know that they're always going to be there for me. They're going to support me. We cheer for each other. We cry together and we just get it. And it's an awesome community to be a part of. And it's wonderful to have people who, you know, will always have your back. So that's it for this week, Mary, uh, this episode. So what's coming up? Well, I am actually very excited because a woman that I met at the retreat, actually, we met at the airport and she has the most, I think, one of the most incredible adoption stories, not just one adoption, but two. And I was crying in the backseat of the Uber car on the way from the airport to the hotel. It's Her name's Kelsey, and I'm really excited to have her on for our next episode, and she's going to tell you her adoption stories, and I just love it, and I'm so excited for her to be on our next episode. Okay, so let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening to episode four of the T21 Mom podcast, and I would love to hear from you. How are you navigating this journey of special needs and Down syndrome? How are you doing things your way? Drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com and t21mom is all one word and let us know what's going on in your life keep on loving those rocking kiddos and we'll see you next time see you mary bye ron